Hello and welcome to the Grumpy Surfer podcast. I'm the Grumpy Surfer and your host, Ads Lyson. As usual, a bit of housekeeping and discount codes for you awesome, awesome listeners out there. For 15% off your North Coast surf and outdoor gear, use the code, capital letters, TGSPOD15 at the checkout. Also to get 20% off your Braw Surf merchandise, go to brawsurf.co.uk and use the code, capital letters and one word, Grumpy Surfer. Also go over to their YouTube channel and check out some of their surf edits. They're freaking amazing. Additionally, and something I'm very proud to be part of and to announce, the podcast is now affiliated with Ombi Surf, which is this week's podcast and what it's all about. If you go to ombi.co forward slash ref forward slash grumpy surfer, select the 12 week accelerated surf program and at the checkout, use the code grumpy surfer 10 capital letters to get 10% off your purchase. These next two episodes of the podcast are going to be an in-depth look into surf technique. So Leading on from the Ombi affiliation, this week's guest is the owner of Ombi Surf. The Ombi Surf program has been created by my guest who has spent more than 30 years accumulating a wealth of surfing knowledge. Having been a professional surfer on the WQS or the World Qualifying Series, he's a shaper and a high performance surfing coach and has been for over 15 years. He has coached some of the best surfers in the world, including Geordie Smith, Mikey February, Travis Loki, there to name but a few awesome legends. So please sit back and enjoy one of the most fascinating podcasts I've done about surfing and surf technique with an Aussie coaching guru, Clayton Naneba. Clayton Naneba, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Ed. It's nice to be here. Mate, got three questions for you. First one is, how are you? Second one is, where are you? And the third one is, have you surfed today? First one, I have, how am I? I've just woken up. I'm feeling a bit sprightly. I'm all good. Haven't had a coffee yet, but I'll get there later. Um, I'm on the Gold Coast, Australia, and I drove down to the beach, but the surf was crap. So I just turned around, came back and did the podcast. Beautiful. So just for a little bit of background for people that are listening. So you are one of the owners or the owner of Omba. Uh, you also have your own surfboards called Clayton Surfboards. You're a former WSL qualifying series competitor, uh, high performance coach for 15 years. And you've coached people such as Travis Logie and Geordie Smith. Is that roundabout right? Yeah. Um, I coached a lot of the up and coming sort of junior stars um i did well i was one of the coaches that took the kids to the the isa contests um that's the international surfing association and i traveled with geordie smith marky february and a couple of the other sort of like up and coming surfers we did france usa and huntington beach so those are the three sort of years that i uh, coached with the South African junior surfing team. Yes, yeah, so you, I mean, you've, you've got quite a wealth of experience behind you with the, with your surfing career yourself. So I'd like to take you, you know, straight back. So where are you, uh, where are you originally from? 
So originally from Durban in South Africa, that's pretty much where Sean Thompson was from, Geordie Smith, um, a couple of those sort of legends. Um, it's very similar to the Gold Coast. Uh, we've got warm water, good waves. We've got right-hand point breaks. Um, we get east cyclone swell. So it's very sort of similar setups. Um, okay, so the background. I think I finished school when I was 17, moved to the city, um, surfed for a year, picked up some sponsors and decided to try my hand at pro surfing, went on tour for a year or two. Um, traveled, I think the, the tour started in Australia, went back to South Africa, then headed off to Europe. And then from Europe, I went, I think America and Hawaii where it finished. So I, I only ever did, um, Australia, South African leg and Europe, and then kind of ran out of money and never got to go to Hawaii. Then I had to go back work, save and try it the second year, ran out of money and I was just like, nah, I can't afford it and had to get a job. So ended up um, making surfboards. What year was that when you started competing on the, uh, on the, um, on the qualifying series? Um, gosh, that would have been, was it like 96? somewhere around there, like 94 to 96. I mean, I still carried on competing. I just stopped touring. Yeah. What sort of boards were you riding when you were growing up? I know the, you know, you're around about the same sort of time I was. So I, I started surfing back in, well, I must've been about 14, 15, around about 94, 95, maybe. Yeah. So, um, you know, what sort of equipment were you riding at that time? I was riding for a guy called Spider Murphy. Um, he, he made safari surfboards, yeah. And uh, when those clips of Sean Thompson sort of surfing with Mark Richards, um, those boards were made by Spider Murphy and ended up getting a job in his factory. And that was my first sort of, um, the first place where I started learning how to make boards, doing glassing, spraying, um, made my first surfboard there. Um, yeah, so it was like my, my training ground, if you want to call it. Did you ride much of your own equipment while you were competing or was it more just sort of like a trial and error thing just to see, you know, how rails worked and. Well, it was, it was a strange setup because I lived with another shaper. His name was Baron Stander. Um, he used to make a lot of boards in the UK as well back then. And, um, I was sponsored by Safari. So Baron had also worked at Safari. So he had been through that whole process that I was going through. So the funny thing is I was getting Baron to teach me how to shape because I, I well, hang out with Baron, but then I'd ride Safari boards, which were the top boards around. And I was trying to make my boards and compare them to Safari's boards, just like as a yardstick but then ask Baron when I did something wrong, like Baron, have a look at this, what I do wrong. And he'd take a pencil and go, well, oh, you did this wrong, you did that wrong. And like, I'd, I'd look at it and I couldn't see it. And um, only like when he pointed at you, was it glaringly obvious, like, oh, okay, there's a mistake, there's a high spot or a low spot or um, little things like that. So it was, a, it was a really good time for my shaping. I haven't really got a, an eye for detail. I think if I started making surfboards, the blank would end up being the finished product anyway. So <laughs> I, uh, I envy a lot of people that get into it. I had a friend that, um, in fact, just lived down the road from me here. Um, he, he shaped my dad a, a 10 foot log 
yep. thing weighed an absolute ton. God knows what glass he put on it, but my dad's like 67 now and he has to carry it down the beach on the oh, trolley. <laughs> yeah, it to be an art, mate. Did, did you find learning about shaping and how surfboards are made and helped with your with your surfing and, and the way that you drew your lines when you were competing as well, as well as free surfing? No. And the, the reason being is all I was doing was I was being a copycat. I was trying to copy Safari. I was trying to copy one of Baron's rails. Like I knew how it should feel, but I didn't kind of understand why it should feel. And it was only, it was a funny thing. I'll have to kind of go maybe a bit forward, but I was making some boards for some team riders of mine. And then um, like the one day, um, I think it was the guys from Quicksilver bought Dane. Yeah, they bought Dane Reynolds in who had arrived in South Africa, but his boards got lost on the airlines. So he was there and he had no boards. So I was like, hey, could knock him up some boards quick. So I was like, yeah, okay. And I was like, had a chat to him. I was like, hey, Dane, what do you look for? What do you like in boards? So he says, hey, I don't want a fast board, but I want a board that holds through the turns. And that just blew my mind. Cause it's like, I was prided on like, when you sit up my boards are really quick because there's a saying with speed, you can do anything. But then here's this guy going, I don't want a fast board. I want a board that holds through the turns. So I kind of didn't understand or didn't know what he meant by that. But now, like years on, I, I totally get what he understands because if you want a fast board, you generally want a flatter rocker. And if your board's too fast, you can't turn it. So if you're surfing in the pocket, you want a board that has more control than it has speed. And because you're surfing the pocket, you get speed from the wave. You don't have to generate speed from riding a flat board. And generally a flat board shoots you out into the shoulder where Dane's trying to go more vertical in the pocket. So that they're two different styles of surfing. Um, so I think the year afterwards, he traded in a, a really beat up Simon Anderson that, that he had been riding um, and swapped it for one of mine. And I rode it and it was terrible. I, I could not surf his board, but it was so beat up, which suggested that he loved it. And I let one of my team riders ride it and he was like, nah, the thing's, it's terrible. No wonder he traded it in. But it was just that I was surfing flats and Dane was surfing on rail. Um, Dane surfed the pocket. I was probably trying to race into the shoulder, which the board didn't like. So um, it kind of messed with me a bit, but now I totally get it. And now I understand it. And now I could probably ride his boards and, and enjoy them a lot more. So um, to answer your question, did me shaping boards in the beginning help me on tour? Yes, I had a, a rudimentary understanding, but it's not like the understanding that I have now, like some 25 years later of shaping surfboards, where I'm actually designing boards for how they feel and how they go, rather than trying to copy someone else's idea. Which leads me on nicely to still talking about, you know, your days on tour as well. How did you find surf coaching back in those days as well? You know, was it as prevalent as it is now? Or, you know, was it more of a case of like you're talking about surfboard shaping where you're trying to copy what other people are doing to make it feel and do the things that you want it to do? Um, okay, so as I know that you do mixed martial arts and, and you're into that kind of stuff. So imagine 
someone who's never trained throwing a punch, they're probably going to swing and throw a punch and they're not going to have a lot of accuracy, but if they land it, they'll probably, it would hurt. Whereas someone that's trained it, they, they're able to twist and get their shoulders. And when they hit, they, they're so much more accurate and they're probably so much more powerful, but their, their recovery to be able to strike again is so much quicker, which makes them so much harder to beat. So when I was training, it was kind of like you telling someone who's never boxed before to throw a punch and, and you're throwing the best punch that you have, but you're inaccurate and you don't know why you're inaccurate. And then you look at someone throwing a punch really well and all it makes you do is try harder on your bad habits. Like the coaches back then couldn't go, no, you need to punch straight. You need to use your twist. You need to rotate the hips. They weren't giving you any of that. They were just going, no, you need to do it like so-and-so is doing it, but they couldn't tell you how. And that for me was pretty frustrating because I could see someone surf better than me and the coach going, you know, you got to work on your bottom turn, but they wouldn't give you the, the answers or solutions. And I felt that I tried really hard to a point where I, I over-surfed and I just overemphasized my bad habits, which compounded the issues. And then when you go into a heat, just the stress of being in a heat also makes you kind of freeze up or try too hard or a bit more clunky. Like you don't move as smooth and as fluid as you would in a free surf because of the pressure. And then I didn't know how to deal with pressure, which made me all clunky. I didn't know, I tried harder, which made the turns worse. Um, oh, and then another thing that you might not know is that I'm also a diabetic. So on tour, I was trying to eat really healthy. Like I was making pastas and all this kind of stuff. And I'd go to bed early. I was doing the yoga and the stretching and I was trying to live this real good, clean lifestyle. Where my mates were going out and partying, they were coming back at like two, three in the morning, hungover with the girls. I was like waking them up, making them bricky, trying to lug them down to the beach. I lost first round and they made it through to like the money rounds and got more money to go boozing and drinking. And I actually kind of like quit the tour because I couldn't afford to. So like it was a really angry time for me because I was trying my hardest overcooking my turns, they were hungover, not caring, surfing relaxed and getting through heats. So I get it now, years later. So all those things that I'd been through have kind of set me up to be the coach that I am today. And I can identify with people when there's tension or they're stressed or they're not moving well. And I can offer them solutions for those problems. So it, it, it was good to set me up. So here's another question for you, and, and uh, I don't know whether you can relate to this or not. So uh, we just did the um, Navy Surf Championships, and I'm not, it's difficult to say, I, I'm not really a competitive person, but subconsciously I am, if that makes sense. So yep. I enjoy surfing, I enjoy free surfing, much as I do like competing, in, um, you know, training, you know, jiu-jitsu, for instance. But as soon as I get into a competition like a surfing heat, for instance, I put all of these burdens of I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to make this wave, I've got to do this amount of turns and do this, this, that and the other. Yeah, so you're putting expectations on yourself, which aren't exactly. normally there. Exactly. 
did did you find that when you were competing where you're saying you know you, you were stressed and then the counter question to that was also is did you did you actually enjoy competing or was it just something that you did because everyone else was doing as well so i think when I was a young kid, um, because I was a diabetic, the kids kind of like, I'd go to school and back then you had to take syringes to school and you had to drop the insulin out of a syringe and get rid of the bubble and inject yourself. And you're in a class full of kids, you know what kids are like, they're the meanest people around. They're just <laughs> like, whoa, you're a freak. How can you do that to yourself and all this? And I suppose when all the other kids are, I don't know, in their 15, 16, we're going out to parties, they're learning how to have a few beers and cigarettes and whatnot. I was just going to the beach, running away from everyone, just surfing. So my surfing just went up a couple of notches. Um, so when I did compete, I was just better than the kids in my area. Um, and I sort of quickly took to competitive surfing because I was fairly good at it, just because I, I surfed more than anyone else. I kind of dedicated a lot of time to that. Um, but in saying that, even on tour, just being a diabetic was was harder Then my parents weren't rich. So they were like finding it very hard to help send me on tour. Then plus the sponsors that you had, you're trying to surf for the sponsors. You want to get through heat. You want to get through photos. You, you, you want to try to climb up the rankings. And th there's all this pressure and no one tells you how to deal with those type of situations, um, how to think your way through. Whereas, whereas nowadays there's, there's so much information out there um, and there's also people at your disposal now who could actually help you with those things. Um, also, how to identify pressure and, and how to breathe, how to relax, how to um, just get to know your body a lot better. Whereas back then, there, like, there was very, very little. It was just go hard or go home. So it was, it was tough. Yeah, I, I can kind of relate to that too. Um, you know, and I guess it's one of those things as well, where it's kind of all you know, if you're growing up doing that, then it's something that you're just going to stick to, isn't it? Until, you know, when you get a little bit older, well, and you get a little bit more mature as well, you know, you learn your path in life. I was kind of like resentful. And then I did hate the tour at the end. And that's why I did quit. Because my parents didn't have a ton of money, they're trying to get me on tour. So I'm trying to do my cleanest best lifestyle, trying the hardest, doing everything the right way. And then you have some guy next to you who's just partying, drunk as going to the beach and getting through heats. I'm like, where's the where's the justice in that? So um, and what they were doing is because they were hungover, they didn't have to deal with the nerves and the pressure. It was like, I just got to go out and I just got to literally catch waves, which is what they'd normally do. And I, I suppose you're 18 to, I don't know, 26, that's all you mainly do. You go have a party, get drunk and go surf and watch the hangover off. So, so they're, they're kind of used to doing it. Um, but then they were enjoying themselves where I was trying really hard, not enjoying myself. And then the pressure was just building, building, building to a point where I wouldn't even want to watch my, get my parents to watch me surf because I felt that if I let them down, um, I just felt shit and I couldn't compete. I think that should be one of your new surf hacks that you put out there. Go out and get drunk and then you relax more when you're in the water. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, if, if it was not dangerous, it probably would work. It, but I don't know, your balance goes. It's not great.
No, not at all. Do you uh, do you watch any of the competitive surfing like the the QS or the CT currently at the moment? I do watch certain bits and pieces of it. Um, there's stuff that I really enjoy and then stuff that I despise. Um, so I put it this way, I, I love Mick Fanning. So if, if you're a fighting, if you've got fighting back on, you'll, you'll probably find that there's, there's fighters that you really enjoy watching because they, their technique's really good. Like a Mick Fanning, for example, for me, he surfs amazing and also Kelly Slater. And I think I interviewed Kelly a little while ago. I should probably play this for you, but he says he caught a wave out at Snapper the one year and he surfed it. He surfed, it was a, a medium sized wave, it wasn't the biggest one, but he surfed it to the best of his ability. He had repertoire. He gave every move like a, like a hundred percent, kicked out and he got something like a 5.5 for that wave. And it's like, how can I surf that wave any better? So I just gave him my all and I got an average score. And then I think he had a, it was a hit against Freddie, Freddie Patasha, who took up on his backhand and did seven or eight identical turns. So that it didn't change. It was just, it was a good wave. And he got like an eight or a nine. And Kelly felt like an injustice because of the repertoire that he used. He almost felt like he had turned that five into an eight where Freddie caught in the wave had a potential of an eight to a 10 and he surfed it to an eight. So I guess on tour, when guys take off on a wave and they, they waste the wave to hop, bounce, find an air section and just do an air spin land and the crowd erupts because it did an air, where Mick has to select a good wave, something that has intrinsic value. And then he has to join all the dots and surf that wave in the pocket to milk that wave for its full value is really good surfing for me. But a person who just takes off on a closeout, knowing that it's going to close out and there's a, there's a ramp section and he just does gymnastics where he does one sequence, spins and lands, I think is bullshit. Yeah, I think, I think there's lots of crossed opinions, isn't there really at the moment? Because you've got guys that are on tour that do lots of airs. Then you've got guys um, like Connor Coffin, um, and uh, Griffin Colapinto that are really good with their rail turns. You know, they put loads of spray into the air and everything's really, really well carved out on the, on the face of the wave. Um, but the guys well, look, in, in, in fighting, sorry for jumping in, but... That's right. Do you do any Muay Thai at all? Uh, I don't really do striking, if I'm perfectly honest. I don't like getting my head hitting too much. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. But basically, there's there's the stand-up and fight, and then there's the on-the-ground fighting. It's like two different disciplines. So yes. one's like grappling, another one's striking. Okay. So um, there, there's so much technique in, in grappling. Like, you've you got to keep moving. you got to get out of all, the, all your locks. And, and it's, it's a mind game where... It's kind of like an air is like a one punch knockout. Um, the crowd, if it's weird in surfing, because surfers don't understand, oh, sorry, because people that don't surf don't understand surfing, when they see someone do an air, they think, oh, look, that's cute. He went up and down, and that must be a good move, and he's going to get a high score for it. So I do feel that. The WSL are trying to get more non-surfers watching surfing and trying to grow that base. But they should spend more time just educating non-surfers on what surfing really is. 
Um, and then people could have more of appreciation for it. Because if you watch the Tour de France, there's so much um, technique and strategy in it. It's not just pedal your bicycle. It's a hell of a lot more than that. And so there's a hell of a lot more to surfing, but people just don't get it. They don't understand it. Do you feel that's why, you know, when you said that you felt that you started to despise competing a little bit, that's why you got into the coaching side of it is because you were starting to understand your body mechanics a little bit more and and the movements on on a wave to to be able to you know put that back into the system almost to speak so so the funny thing is um i i have a friend in jay bay that kelly slater would stay at when he went down there for his um for his competitions and then kelly would always leave a wetsuit or a board behind for him but kelly's about 75 kgs and my friend's about 80 and Kelly, I think is like five foot eight or five foot nine. And my friend's closer to six foot. So he had give me the board and go, ride it, make me something similar. So I was like stoked. So I got Kelly's board and I'd always ride them. And for some reason, I, I always felt like when I got on his board, I was just gonna surf better because it was Kelly's board. So a quarter wave stood up on it and there's no magic. And I, I tried hard to surf it, kind of almost like I had a heat. I stood up and I surfed my heat. And there was no magic. I paddled back out and I was just scratching my head going like, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? Like, it's a good board. I know it's a good board. A world champion's riding this board, but it's not good for me. And then I just thought, okay, how would Kelly actually surf this? So instead of just trying to race down the line and get speed and just chew everything in my path, I actually made the nose face the beach and I drew my turn out. And as soon as I put the board on the rail, the board just went Whoa! and it just kind of exploded under my feet. And I was like, wow, this thing's got a turbo under it. And then I got so excited that the next wave, I slipped back into my default competitive surfer and tried to just rush onto the shoulder and chew everything up and the board sucked again. And I was like, okay, I got to surf the pocket and I got to surf on rail. And that's kind of the same thing that Dane Reynolds was telling me to do. So I had to then change my surfing. So I changed my surfing, started to change my surfboards. And then I made a board for a guy and he was like, this is the worst board I've ever surfed. Like, can I get a refund? And I was like, okay, dude, can I watch you surf? Like, what are you doing wrong? Basically watched the guy, he took off and he just wiggled onto the shoulder, kind of almost like he's in the heat doing this competitive surfing. And I was like, no stay closer to the foam, close to the energy. So he did that. It's like, wow, the board just like came to laugh. Okay, and then I was like, okay, draw your turns out. And I almost had to educate the people on how to ride boards properly. And when they did that, they started to enjoy the boards more. So whenever I was surfing, I started to give a few tips to people in the water. And I found that it really helped them. And those guys would be stoked and they'd come back and order boards from me. And because they've had coaching, they'd surf better. And then I was like, well, whoever rides a Clayton board surfs better. These must be good boards. Meanwhile, it's all the <laughs> coaching I've been giving these guys on how to ride it. So, um, sure, I don't even know where you're going with this whole conversation. but Just keep, just keep going, mate. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. So, I guess whatever I learned, I, I just try to pass that knowledge on. Um, and it's knowledge that I wish I had have had as a grom growing up. Um, because I, I just tried harder on the bad stuff, but when you do the good stuff, well, you don't need to do a lot of it. 
And that's when surfing starts to flow and it looks effortless. And I could see it and I wanted it and I was so hungry for it. But I found I only really got that feeling in bigger waves because in bigger ways I was more comfortable. I could slow down. I, I, would, I was waiting for the barrel. I, I would draw my lines out. If you race on a big wave, you're a, excuse the French, but you're a pussy. So you couldn't do that. So you kind of had to be respected. So I, I was happy to surf slower in bigger waves. But then in small waves, like I, I just always wanted to surf fast, but ended up surfing flat and on the shoulder. You've got to do the same approach, but surf top to bottom. Um, and I get it nowadays. Like I've, I can do it now in my, I'm 47. I'll probably surf better now than I did when I was on the, on the tour. But I'm also fine. I mean, I turned 40, what, two weeks ago. And I'm also finding with a little bit of age comes a little bit of wisdom as well. So you, you do learn from, you know, being able to see things and, uh, and because of my technical background with, with coaching them, like I'm a physical tra training instructor in the Marines. So, you know, one of the things that I do is programming um, to keep people fit all the time. So if, if you're looking at people's performances, whether it's like lifting or something like that, so you, you can pick out the technical points, I think as you see more and more people come through, you can then identify it a little bit quicker and you can pull out those those key points to, to, to give to them, which I think if you're a little bit younger, I know you're seven years older, but it, you know, if you're a little bit younger, you might not be as experienced to be able to draw that out. And that's probably why you're enjoying everything a little bit more now because you've got hindsight on it maybe. Um... Oh, are you going to disagree with that statement, aren't you? Okay. No, no, no. I, I was trying to relate this to something. Um, so when I was a youngster growing up, I'd listen to some like faster, like amping music because I want to go surf and the amp is there. And no matter if it was small, if it was shit, I, I would surf everything and I'd just get amped. I'd just like, ah, oh, let me add it because I wanted it so much. It's just that natural young testosterone go for it. Which, and think about the type of food that you eat when you're grown. It's just cereal rah, and you want a lot of it. But as you get older, it's more like fine dining, like where you want, you want the good stuff. So when I do surf, I'm a lot more selective on the waves that I catch now, which means that there's something that I'm looking for inside of a wave. Where when I was young, I just, I'd go for everything and I try to do everything on it. And then I'm also a bit more selective about the turns that I type, I try to do. Um, I don't want to waste energy because I'm, I'm getting a little bit older. So like, I don't want to just catch crap. Like when you're young, you can catch, you got energy. You've got, you got too much energy. You've got energy to burn. But when you're older, you, you, you're definitely smarter and a lot more wiser. Uh, but then also you don't want to make any mistakes because you don't want to injure yourself. So you, you try to do things on point. Um, and if you do take a high risk, there's got to be a high reward where I think when you're grown, you're just stupid. You just take all kinds of risks and hopefully you don't injure yourself too much along the way. I'm glad you said that because it always make, almost makes my excuse for not going surfing today a little bit better because I knew it wasn't going to be too good. <laughs> yeah. Where did, the, uh, where did the concept of Ombi come from? Uh, how did you start all that up? Okay, so OMBI stands for Ocean, Mind, Body and Equipment. So I had all the surfing knowledge on 
or just from surfing. And then I, I started to finally coach, well, I got asked to coach, if my coaching career first started where I got asked just to coach um, a couple of youngsters. Then from there, I got asked to coach the local club. Then I got asked to coach for the province that I lived in or the state, it was called Natal. And then from there, I got approached by Surfing South Africa to help coach the, the junior surfing teams. Um, I, I think I only did three years coaching because a lot of the other coaches were worried that I was pushing surfers onto my boards because um, I was a surfboard shaper and a coach, um, which was bullshit, but it's just kind of like politics and inside of surfing. So whenever someone came to order a surfboard from me, they'd often lie about their ability, hoping that I'd make them a better board, which would make them a better surfer. So let me give you an idea. If you were running, doing any running training, no matter what pair of shoes you buy, it's a mental game in running. Like you got to put the time in to break through your mental barriers to condition your body. And surfing's no different. But it's like surfers want to get the magic board, which is like, oh, I've got this magic pair of Nike shoes. I've broken my 5K barrier, now I can run 50. It's like, nah, it's not going to happen. It's not the shoes. There's, there's mental and then there's the physical, your body. So what I found is that people had very little spatial awareness around their body, but people that have done gymnastics or fighting have got really good body awareness. Um, they know what their strike range is, where someone who doesn't will take off on a wave and like try it a section or stare at a section 10 meters down the line and being like trying to overextend where like a Mick Fanning, he'll look at the lip just at 12 and he'll strike what he can hit. And when he hits it, he's on point. So those people know how to move their body well. So I try to figure out, okay, well, how can I get people that don't understand how to move their body to stop moving their body? So um, it was simple things like, being side on your surfboard versus being front on in your surfboard. Like where do your knees point? Where do your, well, how do you move all your joints? Um, so I started getting more interested in like other sports. So I'd look at golf going, okay, when you bottom turn, you're leaning and you're controlling speed, but when you're twisting, you're not going as fast, but that's where your body needs power. And baseball players and golfers have, studied this and they got tons of power and they came up with joint sequencing where it's ankle knee hip shoulder um, and i think even when you throw a punch you move your hip and then then the shoulder throws the punch so you're kind of using your, your core to throw your punch not just your shoulders but some surfers are just all shoulders and the board hardly moves so then i, I met this guy michael who taught me how to do um kickboxing muay thai that lasted about two months I hurt my ankle, almost broke my toe, hurt my wrist, hurt my shoulder. But I learned so much in those two months on surf, about moving my body and how I could relate that to surfing. So um, I stopped doing that, but I've still continued the lessons that he taught me. Um, and then surf skates came out, which is a really, really good way to take the physical movement and repeat it outside of the water. So 
I almost don't train in the water anymore. I do all the training outside of the water and I try and make surfing fun in the water. I found that whenever I try to train in the water, the sessions became too tense. And if you're tense, you can't learn. If you look at kids, when kids have fun, their learning goes through the roof. But if you put a book in front of a kid and say, study, there's going to be tears, there's going to be no, like the, the environment for learning is terrible. So we need to almost repetitively move our bodies in a certain way to pick up muscle memory. And that, if that's done outside of the water, hopefully we develop a pattern. And in the water, when we have awareness as to where to do it, we will fall onto our conditioning. And that's the best way to learn surf or to teach surfing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was, um, well, thankful enough for you guys to, to, to send me access to the app and that I've been looking through it. And if I'm honest with you, it, it's probably the, the best surfing app I've, I've ever looked through or, you know, website as well. It's really clean, really simple. All the things that you talk about on there, are they're not complicated. They're broken down really, really well. So I wanted this to make sense to a non-surfer. And I almost wanted to, like, if I could go back to myself as a kid and go, hey, you're going to learn how to surf. Here's your Bible. Go and study and then go out and do. I think a lot of people are, who do similar things to, to what you're doing can almost overcomplicate it a little bit too much. And the analogies that you use as well, like um, the Oreo biscuit and the coffee cup and, you know, people can watch that sort of stuff on, on, on YouTube, but that hasn't got the substantial content that you've actually got when you subscribe and, and, and you sign up to the 12 week program. Um, and, and to be honest with you, I, I've only had it for 24 hours. And I've been going through the pop-up stuff. And honestly, I've related to it so much. It's unbelievable because I am that person that used to pop straight up or pops up straight up onto their feet. And I've got loads and loads of photos. And I hate, I this is, and I physically hate looking at myself in videos and pictures is because I know I jump up with my feet in that, you know, 10 and 2 yeah. position there. And then I have to readjust once I'm going along into the position that you're talking about. So if, if you were in like strike fighting, like um, Muay Thai, if you were in that position, you got a blind side because that, that, that you're literally going to get kicked and chopped down. And likewise, if you're flat footed, you wouldn't be able to move if someone did try to attack you. So um, this guy, Michael, who trained me, he said, if you don't get off your heels, I'm going to take a tack and tape it under your foot that when you put your heel down, you're going to get like a, like a centimeter sticking up into your heel, get on your toes and learn how to move. And when I started getting my toes, like my calves just burnt. Um, so then I had to learn how to get lighter. So I had to keep my hands up. I had to keep my back straight and I had to learn how to conserve all my energy. And all of that is all really good surfing technique. Because if, you, if you're heavy on your surfboard, you're not going to be able to move well or, or be light. So um, I, I just found that all the lessons that I've been learning, it doesn't matter whether you're in fighting, dancing, gymnastics, the way you move the human body is the same um, because you've got to use your core, you've got to sequence joints. And power comes from using your muscular and skeletal system 
It's not from bending over and stretching your tendons out. Yeah, well, you don't see any Olympic lifters, do you? Bending over at their waist to lift things up because they're just going to put the back out. You know, it yeah. makes when when you look at it like that, you know, it it makes perfect sense. And I, again, if if I go back ten years and I look at photos of myself, I'm doing that you know typical bug stance, and I that's the reason why I just hate hated looking at it. Uh, and now I've started to, you know, we were talking about earlier where you start to develop these these technical aspects where you can look at technique and then you can pick these little things out. I've slowly started to 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 see that with my posture and my my shoulders turn them square on and instead of sideways and this has been like over the last 10 years and just doing those little things but then you know listening to you and Jeremy um in the app and on the YouTube videos has almost kind of set a little spark off in my head and well thank you <laughs> <laughs> no like you don't know what you don't know but as soon as you see it you're just like oh my gosh there it is and then what's strange is you can't unsee it because ugly surfing now is ugly surfing and but good surfing when you watch that it's just like oh wow look at this guy and then the nice thing is that you can copy and paste there's nothing stopping you from taking like a mcfanning turn and then relating that back to your own body and just moving your body that way but the only time that it's you can actually do it in the water is if there's no tension and you're in the moment and you're relaxed you can see a section go i'm going to copy mcfanning on this and and do something um and i think that the biggest thing is relaxing so from your fighting background how important is it to relax when you fight because of the stress involved well yeah i mean it's it's the it's the pinnacle um it's one of the key key components especially if you're in a bad position um you know if you're if if you're a new guy you know you you know that they're panicking underneath and then over time you know you know five six seven eight year nine ten years down the line you're lying on your back and you you know you just sat there nice and calm and you you can chill into it and you can you can work the things you've been training all those years yep so likewise with surfing, it's when you have a calm mind, you've got a clear mind. But when you're panicking, your mind, it can't focus into one thought. So you don't know what to do. So you don't do any. So you go into what's the free state where you just, you lock. Then the, the second reaction from there is, I've got to get out of here. And, and you run, which is basically me surfing my, in my pro career where I, I just ran from it. And then you get the calm mind and then you get the um i'm going to stand i'm going to fight which is your kelly Slade and your dane reynolds surfing the pocket who don't want a fastball that allows them to fight they want to be amidst all this chaos in the wave but be calm enough and controlled enough that they can strike the lip they can do a bottom turn they can pull into the barrel they can do all the types of surfing that they need to do here's a question for you because i know you said you do a lot of your um your training on land on surf skates um as opposed to in the ocean is that i always find that i i do a lot of surf skating stuff um i know again i've watched a few of your videos and you know you talk about doing surf skates on um elevated inclines so you can almost recreate the wave i haven't done that i need to do it i've only got a flat gym 
um, that I work in at the moment. I'm putting a few cones out and stuff. I'm always really scared. Scared's a strong word, but we'll use it to try things when I go surfing because I just want to go out there and I want to enjoy it. So I don't use it as a training platform. I go out there and I try and do what I do without falling off because I almost feel like falling off is me losing and I no, don't want to do that. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's it's a total, totally understandable mindset. So you're comfortable, okay, and you're not going to progress from there. Yeah. You need to get... You need to get okay. So you just told me that in in your your jujitsu, you can now lie on the mat, being uncomfortable because someone's making you uncomfortable. They're either trying to break your arm, like suffocate you or choke you out, all right? And you're lying there, thinking your way through it comfortably while you're uncomfortable. Does that make any sense? It does. Okay, so you you first had to get into a ring and as you step into that ring you're uncomfortable and then someone attacks you and like you get really uncomfortable and protective but then you got to start almost fighting back and protecting and you got to start you're going to make mistakes you're going to pay for it because it hurts but you learn really quickly because it hurts now in surfing when you fall does it hurt no, so, you do, so you don't learn. Okay, but it does suck and it is uncomfortable. So if you're not falling, you're not learning. All right, so it's kind of like when someone else gets you in a grip that you are like, whoa, this guy's got me. Then you start thinking. Okay, so then you start relying on your training. So the ridiculous thing is I actually know all this as well. I just don't do it. I'm one of these people that do what I say and not what I do. Well, most people know how to surf. They just don't do. Like if, if you just take a laugh skill and apply it to surfing, you, you'll see that it works because the things that, the way we move our body works, the way you're supposed to think about situations work. Um, when you surf, you want to be in the moment. There's no more being in the moment than in fighting. Now, in a fight, if you're worried about the fight, or if you're worried about losing, means you're thinking about the future or the past. You're not grounded and present in the moment. Um, and as soon as someone goes out of the moment, that's when you can defeat them. And likewise in surfing, you may be, if you're worried about falling, um, you're not in the moment. Have you ever done any movement coaching or anything like your, you know, a lot of your, a lot of what you're talking about and um, what you talk about uh, within Omri as well? is all about, you know, body mechanics, biomechanics, skeletal systems. Yeah, I've spent a lot of time with um, various people. There's this, uh, a Japanese guy, Takeru, who's taught me a hell of a lot. Um, there's Chris Mills that um, I'd often discuss a lot of um, technique with because I, I, I've got the idea, they have the know-how, and then I just need like affirmation as to like, is this right? And then, then generally they go, yeah, it's 100% correct. I find it really interesting. Um, I've been talking with a guy called Rod Perez who does uh, holistic pro health uh, down in, I think it's down in Kilangata maybe. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, and uh, I'm doing one of his online courses at the end of November just because it really interests me and it's yep. just kind of another direction that I like to, you know, 
keep myself involved with with, with things. I've, I've like taken that. one of his weekend workshops as well. Okay, how'd you find it? Yeah, it was re- I was dead afterwards. He killed me. <laughs> I bet he did. Yeah, he seems a bit of a workhorse. That bloke, like he he is. Yeah, he's he's definitely a workhorse. Um, so look, if you pick up a heavy box, don't bend your back, bend your knees. So that's kind of your bottom turn. Like bend your knees, you're going to get way more pop. Now, on a trampoline, if you if you want height, but you also want to jump in the same place, you're going to keep your back straight and you're going to use your knees. So if you bend your back, your trajectory is stuffed. So in surfing, if you want to compress and extend, the straight of your back is wherever you lean in is where you're going to project towards. So it's like being on a trampoline. Kids know how to jump. They know how to do this. So they learn it really, really well. Adults, I find as soon as I get like someone in their 40s to jump on a trampoline, it's almost like they've forgotten how to jump. Like the legs are going, the hands are going the wrong way. There's no coordination. They don't use the core. They're, they're almost too scared to fall. So, so they don't do it. And when they do try, the, the coordination's off. And they, they've almost forgotten how to have move and they've forgotten how to have fun. So I, I always say I, I don't teach people how to surf. I teach them how to move. And then I teach them awareness. And then I want them to go play. So however they interpret a wave is them playing, which is entirely up to them. Do you find any correlations between uh, professional surfers and, you know, I'm going to call them average people that we call beginners, intermediate and advanced surfers? You know, are there there any links between them that people do, um, that they have typical habits? Yeah. So again, it's that fight, um, freeze, fight and flight. Professional people don't move much, but when they do move, it's deliberate. Um, intermediate surfers try and move too much and it's just messy. And they're often off balance and all over the place. Whereas beginners freeze and they don't know how to move. Now, because beginners are frozen and they don't know how to move, they require high volume. They get really wide, thick longboards. They're almost passengers on the surfboard. Um, intermediates love quick boards that allow them when they do move, the boards just move with them, but they end up almost surfing the shoulder. They're going to get smaller, wider, flatter boards, which are really fast, but they can't control the speed. And professionals who hardly move, they tap into wave energy and they want boards with rocker and curve that allow them to surf the energy of the wave. They don't move their bodies much because that's, they're using wave energy. So there's a very distinct correlation between those um, those groups of surfers, the types of choices that they make. So imagine you and I are boxing, okay? And I step into a ring and I'm frozen and I don't want to move and I'm scared of being hit. And then imagine I step into the ring and I think I know everything and I think I'm really good, but I'm not. And I I I, I just all over the place okay that's kind of like your intermediate guy and then you got the pro who don't want to hurt you so they're almost they don't want to fight you and they're trying to talk themselves out of it but when they do hit they just it hurts and they'll just almost drop you that that's kind of pro surfing for me it's just every strike is deliberate where 
an intermediate that they're hitting, but they don't know why they're hitting, where they're hitting. They don't understand the anatomy. They don't know how to break a leg. They don't know how to make your arm go lame or whatever it is. Going back to uh, talking about Ombi a little bit, um, do you have a, an age demographic for it? You know, what, what are the ages of people that normally sign up and, uh, and come to you for advice? So, the, well, the way Ombi works is that you've got to educate the mind first because the mind learns really quick. And like you said, you don't know what you don't know. So as soon as you know it, it makes sense. But then you've got to train the body and the body trains and it works slowly. Like if you took an unfit guy, how long would it take you to make him fit? Like, yeah, I mean, it'd take a couple of months just to, you know, get that mindset and, and get everything autonom autonomous. Really. Yeah. So we did a 12 week program and that's that 12 week program is teaching you two things. Number one, it's teaching you how to stand on your board and it's teaching you how to activate the right muscles to be in that posture. That's, that's all it does. Okay. And it takes 12 weeks to do that. In other words, if you go in the ring the, you're f to teach someone how to fight the first time, you want to teach them how to be lighter on their feet, hands up, back straight, but relaxed where they can move. It's taken me 12 weeks to teach someone that. That's the 12 week program. Where did the, uh, the analogies of the Oreo biscuit and the coffee cup um, and, and, uh, and, and those are the sayings that you've come up with? Was it something so you just developed? Did your parents ever get you to make a cup of tea or cup of coffee for them? Uh, once, but then I made it that bad that they didn't want me to make it again. <laughs> yeah, so I remember being, I must have been about seven or eight years old. Okay. And um, they'd wake up in the morning. It was like, oh, Clay, please make me a cup of coffee. And I was so proud to make them some coffee. And it probably tasted crap as well. But I, I literally like carry it through like this. And I have to come back and get the next one. And I was looking at the cup and I was almost like watching myself spill. But then later on, you don't watch the cup. You almost look where you want to go and just hold the cup level. And your balance improves so much. So then I was tense, worried, couldn't move. But then you got this hot cup of coffee and you relax and you're walking with it. And it's always in the backhand. It's in your strong hand. It's never in the front hand. Because then you're going to walk like a crab. And it's in your backhand, you walk front on. And as people, when we step forward with our left foot, our right hand always comes forward. So we, we kind of walk in opposites. So it just made sense for me that if someone stood on a surfboard, if they went left foot, left hand forward, they're in a crab position, they're going to bend from the waist and they're going to wobble and have no control. But if you get your coffee cup hand and push it forward, it locks the hips. Now your, your hips can't bend left, right because your hips are locked. Now you're almost forced to bend your knees. So that way you're a lot lighter on your feet. You've got better balance. You're more explosive. And you get all of that from telling someone to hold a cup of coffee in their hand and don't spill the coffee. So from one simple little trick, you get to fix all these things. Now, the nice thing about the coffee cup is called a pattern interrupter. Um, so you have said yourself that you've got a couple of years of bad habits. So if you've ingrained those bad habits over the last, you know, it's 10 years, but paddling on a wave and I actually make some guys take a, a plastic or paper cup in the mouth, stand up and hold the cup. And because they've got this bloody thing in their mouth, it reminds them to take the cup out. And because they're holding this dumb cup in their hands, it's totally broken, 
10 years of bad habits. And when they do it, they feel straight away what it feels like. Yeah, I have um, sort of subconsciously started telling myself because I'm one of these people that does a Mark Richards, um, you know, and Caroline Mark's tail arm. Yeah, like it's, it's always out, you know, doing a little, little shake at the back there. Um, okay, so, so just imagine that you're, you, I know you don't do Muay Thai, but imagine you're standing in a Muay Thai position. Yep. And the hand that you want to throw, which is your strong, this is almost jab. Yep. This is almost like my distance, like my strike radius. And this is the killer. You've left it at home. So all you've got is your strike, and this one is almost going the wrong way. Does it make sense? Yeah. So it's holding, so you got to get this and hold it near your face, or near your chin, so that when you do twist, you can throw it. So what's really so, cool about all of this is, you know, when I start again, I keep saying when I've gone back and, and started watching your watching your videos and, and going through the 12 week program is it's almost kind of cementing that ideas that I've always been like subconsciously, I've had my arm out here and then I'm like, well, I need to bring it here. So I started to bring it forward. Now, when I have said to myself, right, bring it forward, bring it forward, especially on my backhand, I've noticed I can move better. Just like you've yes. been saying, so all this stuff that that you you're saying um, within your programs and 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 all the the media that you've put out there, you know, it's just it's just doing this in my head like little sparks going up. <laughs> well, what, what? that's that's the trip that I've been on. Yeah, it's crazy, so man. You got to understand that, like, I didn't ask surfers how to be a better coach. Because I almost feel that those other coaches are holding the information back. They don't want to give it to you. But when you go and ask like a Muay Thai fighter, how do I move better? And when you naturally just get up there and start moving, um, they show you how to move better. Like be on your feet, keep your hands up, lighten your toes. You need to be able to breathe. If you don't breathe, you can't move. Um, if there's any tension, if I kick the tension, it will break. Um, if someone kicks you, you almost got to either block deflect or absorb you can't have tension when they kick you you're gonna like your leg will break so likewise in surfing and skateboarding you, you can't be tense um I, I, if you ever watch a cat land they can move in the air and they land and they're really really tense um if you watch a westerner go surfing and they fall they're like and they hit and they stay heavy and they sink um, and I suppose I've also done a lot of trips to the Mentalize where we go surfing and the local kids are surfing over reef. So where you and I learned how to surf on sand bottom and foamy boards, they're on beat up left behind boards that no one wanted and they're surfing over reef and they're having so much fun and they're falling on reef, but they're almost like seaweed where they just float over the reef. They don't get stiff and hit the reef and they, they don't hurt themselves. Whereas the Westerners, they're like, oh, reef, oh, and they, they're, they're getting cut up and hurt and injured. Um, and it's just because of the fear, which makes them stiff and tense. Yeah, it, it makes absolute perfect sense being light on your feet. Um, you know, it's like when you start, go, go out, start running and you haven't been running. Well, let's say you, you're a non-runner and you start going out and you start plodding really hard and you can almost feel your footsteps going through the earth. But then yeah. as you start, I don't know, losing a little bit of weight or getting a little bit more agile, you, you, you start strengthening the lower limbs up. 
you know, you start touching a lot lighter, you get a little faster and, you know, your pace gets better. I mean, if you think about it, you know, in a commonsensical way, it, it makes perfect sense all the way around. Yeah, so the, the same things happen. Uh, okay, watch a kid riding a bicycle for the first time. They're really clunky and they're oversteering. But as soon as they get it, they move less. So a lot of people, when they surf, they're trying to f- like reach out for balance on that wave, which is not there. The balance is here. It's internal. Straighten your back. You're going to have way better balance. Um, hold a cup of coffee. Don't spill it. And point that where you want to go. And not only are you going to have balance, but you're going to be able to steer. Um, so like for me, it's not complicated. It's, it's actually pretty damn easy. And when you teach people the right way from the beginning, they, they learn really, really quick. The hard part is sometimes they have fear. Now, people will focus first on what's dangerous. And if they're not worried about what's dangerous, then they'll focus about what's important. Um, so you've got to relax people so that they're not stressing about what's scaring them. And then the, the fun will overtake the fear. And at that stage, learning becomes easy. I'd like to talk a little bit about the people in behind Ombi, you know, your background stuff. So, you know, you've got your front man, Jeremy, that's uh, on the majority of the videos with you. How did that relationship Oh, it's actually Ant, it's, it's Anthony. That's, that was a guy you, you met earlier. Oh, okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, it's all good. Um, on the behind scenes is Jeremy. So Jeremy's kind of the brains behind the whole outfit. Um, Anthony's a public speaker who who's helped me actually be able to get my thoughts across a lot better and help me speak better. And he sets up the studio. He does a lot of background work on, on lighting, audio, like he, he froths on that kind of stuff. Um, so it's been quite nice because I've been almost been able to redocument the journey through him because he's learning stuff for the first time. And the stuff that he's learning, we then share it with the audience. Um, just because the, the stuff that I've learned to almost take for granted, I don't even think it's like that important, where he froths on the little things. And then I can go, oh, yeah, okay. And I could almost give him a bit more information on those little things. And we can take a deep dive on it and, and maybe do a, a YouTube video or something like that. So it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that relationship that, you, that you've got does, does come across really well. And um, he does you know, almost drop little, little hints and pointers to you to like kind of elaborate a little bit. Sometimes it kind of makes me chuckle in the background because it's what, what yeah. I do when I'm coaching too. Yeah. So it, it, it's quite nice in that way. Um, the, the other thing that we have, we got in the background, we've got Luke, Luke who does all our, our, our web designs and emails and stuff like that. He's absolutely amazing at writing and explaining. So he's kind of our engineer. I'm like the mad scientist. I've got these ideas, but I don't document stuff. So Jeremy documents, Luke documents, and they build and create. We got Nico, he does all our editing. Um, and we got Yanni, who does a lot of our like social media and um, attention grabbing um, little videos and clips and, um, and so on. So yeah, I think that's the team. You must be pretty chuffed with you know what you've created and and to get to the point where you are now because you know i mean social media 
I'm doing a podcast, so I'm kind of being quite contradictory, but I kind of love to hate it a little bit. Um, but you can see sort of like the growth of what of what your what your initial ideas are to what what it is now. You must be pretty chuffed with it. So like, it's weird, but surfing is a really good metaphor for life because if you if you have a good surf, you're having the best day of your life. And if you have a bad surf, you, you generally know, oh, I'm just going to have one of those days. But there's no reason why you can't change a bad surf into good surf. And it's, it's a mindset. Um, and then also with your body, like if, if I'm happy, I'm going to be like hands up claiming. If I'm sad, I'm going to make myself smaller. I'm almost going to drop my arms. I'm going to sink. So your body language, even though you don't know it, says a lot about you. So if you move well and your body language is positive, you're not overthinking and you're very present and grounded in the moment, no matter where you are, what you're doing, you're living a good life. So by me fixing my surfing, it's almost fixed my life. And what we endeavor to do in Ombi is to get healthier people mentally, physically, and then to have more fun in surfing and to share the stoke. And the big thing about Ombi is we, we encourage all the people within Ombi to share. So if you have a light bulb moment, don't, don't hold back on it. Tell someone else about it and try to teach someone about it because you'll, you only know something when you have to teach it to someone else. And if you can share that and teach and, and pass it on, um, we're gonna have a lot more better surfers in the water, enjoying the water, a lot more of a healthier, happier community um, and that's something that we want from the, the whole OMBI program. Do you feel um, the OMBI program or, or online um, programs like yours has kind of taken a bit of a boom since COVID? Because, you know, there's, well, especially in England, I'm not sure about Australia, but there's definitely a, an influx in people that have taken surfing up because of the lifestyle. Um, you know, has, yeah. has that definitely helped you? So it's afforded us time because I was going on boat trips where I'd, I'd shelve projects for a long time. Now I just had time on my hands. So it, it has enabled us to get all these ideas together. And there's a lot of them. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you've been trying seeing how much stuff there is on Ombi. Um, there's cardboard surfer, boasting ball surfer, boats. I mean, card, uh, skateboarding the street, skateboarding the bowl, there's mind surfer. Um, there's the whole thing of all the moves that you can do. Then there's the 12 week training program. Then there's all the YouTube stuff that you can deep dive in. Um, there, there's a lot of information out there. Um, I think that the big worry is that a lot of people, there's a lot of people out there trying to do a similar thing but they're almost describing what they see. Um, and they're not really explaining what's going on, how to do it, and more importantly is the how to fix it. So even if you get a video analysis, you may have someone show you, or you could be aware, okay, I'm doing something wrong over there, but you got to get uncomfortable and start to fix it. So think about when you when you're on the floor grappling with someone, 
you get into an uncomfortable position. The first thing you want is out. You, you got to stay, you got to endure. And then you got to, you got to, first of all, relax, think your way out of it. And then you got to move your way out of it. Okay, so a lot of people when they watch surfing videos themselves, they don't like what they see. So there's, there's this non acceptance. Then there's like, uh, no, that's not my, my good, my, my good wave. That's my bad wave. It's like, no, that's how you surf, mate. That's you. Um, so there's like, um, it, it's, a, it's, you know what it is? We love surfing. So our ego takes this big bar, just gets a hard knock and you almost can't come to terms with it. Then there's, I think, I think that's a really it. important thing you just said there as well is, um, I, I give a bit of advice out to people, you know, in the Marines, I'm probably one of a few surfers, um, in, in the UK. And, you know, people come to me and they ask, you know, questions, what board should I get? Where do I need to go for this? You know, can I, can, can you show me some things? Um, but one of the things that I find is, is really key is people's honesty with their own personal performance levels as well. I mean, you must see it all the time. You know, we give these labels, don't we? That you're a beginner, intermediate, advanced, or whatever. I mean, I mean, what what does that really mean? You know, somebody's perception of an intermediate means that you know they could go vertical on a wave or almost, and you know, before carving turns where you know somebody else that's advanced. So I can explain to you an easy way for you to do it for someone. Um, so intermediate you're in the free state of panic where you can't move oh, sorry beginner you're in the free state you can't move and you also there's no awareness around how to do it where to do it or anything like that lower intermediate um you you've kind of learned how to move a little bit but you're still running from it so you know that um something's wrong you don't know how to fix it higher intermediate, you know, that's you consciously aware. So basically something's wrong and I know how to fix it. I got to take my coffee cup and I got to move it forward. That's kind of where you are. Okay. Then advanced is I don't have to think about it. My coffee cup's there and it's effortless. So it's, it's all that freeze and flight, but it's, you must've heard that, that graph where it's, when you first learn something, you're unconsciously unaware. Then when someone says, Hey, you're doing something wrong. You're, you, you know, that you're doing it wrong. But you don't know how to fix it. The next phase up from that is you start training. Then you've got to think about, okay, if I need to do a, an uppercut, I've got to think and do the uppercut and I've got to do reps, 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 reps until I don't even think about it. I see an opportunity and I just take it. And then that's kind of at that higher level. So um, when I have people come to me to order a surfboard, they always want to order up thinking that if it's a better board, they'll surf better. But imagine you and I are sparring and I always spar up. I'm always going to lose, which means it's going to knock my confidence which means um, I'm not going to be able to take on challenges and I'm not going to be able to grow. So if you rode the right equipment um, by being honest with how you move, um, you'll have a lot more wins. And with the wins comes the confidence. 
um, then as soon as you get confident, you'll start to move your body a lot better. And then as you move your body better, you can start to downsize your boards or you can start fighting stronger opponents. Makes a lot of sense. <laughs> uh, mate, I've uh, got a couple of things just to, just to tie the podcast off with. Um, a couple of um, Instagram questions that I posted up. I don't know whether you saw them. Uh, I put up on stories today. Uh, so the first one is from I am Joe. Hello. Uh, what is your favorite board to ride? But I think he already knows what it is. And it says, why is it a nine foot foamy? Uh, so I think you're, you're asking Ant. Okay. Yeah, that might be Ant. Okay. So do you know why he says that is because when you go out on a nine foot foamy, there's no expectations. Okay, so you're just having fun. And if anything good happens, it's just a bonus. It's like, wow, that was a cool little section or a cool little wave, or I got a little cut back in. Um, but when you go out on a high performance board, you expect the best out of yourself. And when you don't achieve, there's disappointment. So when you go surf, I encourage people to be in the moment and lower your expectations and just to be grateful for what you have out in the water. And that energy that travels towards you from thousands of kilometers when it does break, try to be in the moment and absorb that energy and feel it rather than running away from it. What's your, uh, what's your current board that you're riding at the moment? I have a 610 mid-length. I have a five foot two small wave board. I have a five foot eight twin fin with a narrow tail that I love. I have a five foot six retro fish. I have a five foot 10 high performance board. I've got a 610 gun. I've got an eight foot two gun. I've got um, a five foot 10 twin pin. I've got a five foot eight quad and I love all of them. It just depends on the waves that I want to ride and what I want to feel. Sounds like your big time there with surfboards, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next question is, uh, do you think pro surfing has lost its style? Because in the, uh, you know, back in the 90s, you had people like Oki, Tom Curran, Tom Carroll, um, to the performance yes. surfing that's today. Yes, and I, I'm angry, sad, mad, peed off about it because if surfers got rewarded, because ultimately surfing is about riding a wave and the energy inside of the wave. It's not so much about surfing the board. So when the guys are going for the huge airs, it's like they're taking the board and they're trying to almost do like a 720 on it now. Okay. But yes, it's, a, it's an amazing move and it takes a lot of um, discipline to do that again and again and to figure out all that stuff. But the simple pleasure of riding a wave and watching someone do that well, um, it, it's kind of like if you watch a ballroom dance or anyone dancing who dances really well or someone who plays music really, really well, you can sit back and you can appreciate that. And I feel that surfing is losing all of those people like um the the tom curran who's stylish the the joel parkinson's the josh kerr's all the names in surfing the dane reynolds 
They're all fed up with the WSL, the judging criteria, the bad calls that um, all the icons in surfing are losing. And now you're getting these like fast twitch muscle memory, just like, ah, ooh, eh, and land. Um, and I, I don't know, um, maybe I'm getting old. Maybe that's it. I don't know. I, I do agree with you. I agree to disagree if I'm perfectly honest, because I do like watching, um, you know, the CT when, it, when it's on. Uh, I'm quite into that. But I also really appreciate people like Michael February and Tom Curran and, um, you know, all the stylish guys that are out at the moment. Uh, I know you did a little bit on Tara Martin. He's kind of like my man crush as well. I know, uh, you know, I know you guys like him too. Yeah. That, that's, let me pose a question to you then. So when I go down to D-Bar, which is the, the epicenter of surfing in Queensland, all right, you can see eight, nine, 10, 11, 10 year olds doing airs, but you don't go down there and see a 10 year old doing a rail turn like a, a Taylor Knox or a Josh Kerr or a, a Tom Curran. So it says that the kids are surfing flatter and they're not doing any rail turns. Yes, they can do, they can do an air, but anybody can do an air, like any youngster can do an air. They can't do rail surfing. So is surfing starting to lose some of its essence? And I think, yes. I think especially, again, you know, we're talking about your coaching app here, but I think with, with professional surfing as a coaching whole, as a whole, a lot of people surf the same. You know, they've got the same stance. They've got the same, um, the same way that they turn. I think with, with the competition and the way that is and the judging criteria, what you're just talking about, I think it's almost set a standard where everybody feels like they have to do the same thing and you're kind of losing, losing the individualism of, um, someone's imagination, what they can carve, like a pic, painting a picture on a wave. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah no, I, I agree. It's almost like um, gymnastics. You sh if you watch gymnastics, like the, I don't know what it's called, but they've got the big square and they're running the dude cartwheels and flips and whatever. You almost can't do the same move again and again and again and again. You have to, once you've done that one, it's like ticked off. And then you've got to kind of do the, the next couple of tricks that you can do. And it should be like that in surfing, where it's like, say, okay, you've done an air and it's a, it's a rotation. You, if you do that again, you shouldn't get scored in it. You know, you, you need to show your whole repertoire. You can't just do that one thing again and again. Because think about it, like it's learned his heat. He just goes for ramps and launches and he's untouchable at the moment, but he is doing a very, very similar thing repetitively again and again and again and again. Um, and I think like once he's landed that one, he needs to have like a way different variation or different style of the air, <clears throat> um, or start showing some rail surfing. Yeah, I agree. Mate, we're going to finish this off with a quick fire round and a quick fire round that never turns into a quick fire round. So first question is if you had one surfboard fin set up for the rest of your life, would it be twin fin, single fin, quad, thruster, bonzer, or finless? Quad. Your favorite surfer and why? I have so many. This all stunts uh, people. 
Rob Machado. Your first surf film you ever watched? Um, it was a Quicksilver movie called The Performers. It had um, <clears throat> guys like Richard Cram, um, uh, all these old school surfers, like um, Rabbit, Bartholomew, Gary Alkerton, Kong, um, Chappie Jennings. Uh, they're probably still riding single fins and charging pipeline and stuff like that. Yeah, it was awesome. The last film you watched? The last surf film that I watched uh, was Tyron Martin. The Lost Track, uh, Atlantic. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, New Zealand. Brilliant. 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 And the, yeah. Very good. They're all really good. Um, the worst and the best person to share a lineup with? The worst and the best person. Okay, the best person, someone is having fun. The worst person, who's someone who's just had a wave, pals on your inside and goes again. Like that person drives me mad. Mm, that person needs to get drowned. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite type of board? A short board, a mid-length, a long board, SGP or a sponge? What we call bodyboard and sponges here. Yeah. Okay. So it depends on the wave. Like, um, uh, it's, it's all depends on the wave. Okay. Let's, re let's rephrase this. Let's swap these questions around then. So if you had one wave to surf for the rest of your life, what would it be? And what board would you surf on it? Ooh. Okay. You could go like J Bay twin fin. Um, you could go, like macaronis and the mental eyes on a thruster. You could go HTs on a quad. Like, oh, it's, it's, this gets me excited. Like, <laughs> it makes me wake up in the morning because I've got the tools. It's like, what's today throwing at me? And my froth levels, because of, I have the craft. Like, if you've got the right tool for the job, every day is a good day. Well, it sounds like you've got enough boards to do it anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm obsessed. <laughs> Clayton, mate, it's been absolutely perfect talking to you. Great, thanks. Yeah, thanks, mate. And that's it. Remember to go to www.ombi.co forward slash ref forward slash grumpy surfer and use the code capital letters grumpy surfer 10 at the checkout for your 12 week accelerated program. Next week, I have a British surf coach called Scott Rannikin, who has an online surf tutorial called my surf lessons so check that out in two weeks time thanks for listening